Everybody, welcome to the Eat Move Live 52 podcast. We are super excited this week. We're talking to Brandon Olin. Brandon is an ergonomics and employee wellness consultant. Brandon helps companies implement changes that will lead to long-term improvements in employee health. His company, Mobility, is provides the physical products that aid them in their goal. I say mobility funny because we just had a discussion. Brandon uh, and I about whether it's movility or mobility because it could be either way. We think all think it's so important to move, but also mobility is so important. So I think no matter which way we pronounce it, it's a big success. Brandon, thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me, guys. I appreciate it. And um, the the mix up on the names is actually something I used to because um, pretty commonly throughout my life, and actually just very recently at a yoga class when I was talking to the teacher after, they always, everyone always asked me, is it Brandon or Brendan? So I'm quite used to having to explain uh, names, so it's no big deal. <laughs> oh, really? Yep, yep. Happens all the time. I don't know any Brendans, but I know I know a lot of Brandons. I mean, I don't know him personally, but there's like uh, <laughs> Brendan Frazier, and uh, well, that's the only one that comes to mind, but there's a famous yeah. Brendan. Well, you can yeah. always go to Starbucks and ask them what your real name is. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> as uh, as oh, somebody from another country, I always have a lot of fun with that one. <laughs> yeah. When your name is Galena, you have to get all creative and like, how, like yeah. <laughs> and would you tell your Starbucks employee what the name is? I go by Anne. <laughs> It doesn't stump them off. Ah, yeah. Where yeah. are you from, Galina? I'm from Bulgaria. Oh, nice. I um. So we were talking about uh, travel a little bit before the podcast started, and I actually just returned home to Buffalo after traveling around for a year. Um, so I was in South America and Europe. Um, I didn't go to Bulgaria, but I was in Hungary and Serbia for a while. Oh, cool. So Serbia is very much like Bulgaria um, as far as how the people feel and the love for meat. Mm -hmm. So you've uh, experienced <laughs> some of my culture through our neighbors. Oh, my. Yeah, I was a big, big fan of the, um, I don't know what you'd call it, the quality deli meats, the charcuterie over mm -hmm. there. Oh, some of that stuff is so tasty. Like I know. Some, some tastes that I developed since I was traveling around or just have stuck with me since I've been back. Yeah, well, you can find some, um, we call them Persian markets in California. I'm not quite sure what would they be called on the East Coast, but there's these stores that sell um, Lebanese and Iranian and Bulgarian and Russian and Armenian and Serbian and the kind of like Eastern Europe to Middle Eastern food. And you can mm -hmm. find a lot of these foods there. Very cool. So you can keep eating them. Yeah, our local one has a very big deli, like a like a fresh deli kind of a section, and then like in their imported, um, like the the preserved sausages and stuff like that. That you can just you can find something from every 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 one of those countries. Yeah. It's I, awesome. I buy Lithuanian cheese. <laughs> you know, it's like wow. you, you can get some fancy cool stuff that's really high quality. You know, that you have to look at is it's imported, but just there's... try to find Lithuanian cheese at Safeway. Yeah, it's just not there. Yeah, I feel like if I asked about that, I would just get a bunch of weird looks from the employees. Oh, totally. What is your Lithuanian section? Yeah. yeah. Well, we could talk all day about food, especially... I mean, that could be a podcast. I know, time. especially Eastern European food, which is like um, sort of... We'll have to talk about that later. But because it's sort of changed the way I look at food in some ways mm -hmm. um, to the po for the positive. So 
but we'll hit that on, on another note. Um, Brandon, thanks for joining us. You know, we, Galena and I have a passion for movement, mobility, and we love that you do too. And our, you know, our listeners ask us a lot of times about, you know, they're, they're like most, like most people, they're sort of stuck in a desk job. Um, they drive a lot. Um, they get home and they're sitting and like, you know, so this, it's great to have you on the show, but I'm curious, like, how did you get started in this whole thing? Like, what is your background in education? Absolutely. So, um, how I got into all of this was actually during my final year of college. I, what happened was I got a full-time desk job and I was also doing full-time coursework at university for my final year there. And I was also closing on a house during that first year as well. So the combination of those three things, you know, driving to school in the morning, driving from there to work, driving back to school for night classes, going to meetings with my realtor and all that. I was lucky if I was spending, you know, I was probably spending like 80 hours seated on a good week, probably over a hundred on some of the more nasty weeks. So yeah, at the end of that year, I was, um, let's just say I was in a way worse shape than any 23-year-old had any right to be ever. <laughs> so, um, you know, like most people, when, you know, you go down this path and you start to accrue the effects of, you know, sedentary desk work and unhealthy diet and things like that, you say, okay, I want to turn back the clock. I want to get healthy again. And so I wanted to get back in shape and I tried the standard thing that everybody does of, you know, going to the gym a lot and eating healthy and working out. And that got me some results, but never really as much as I'd hoped for. So one day uh, after I'd eaten lunch, I was taking a walk outside and I was just really like racking my brain. Like, what what did I do differently that I'm not doing now that, you know, let me be healthier? Um, And it just kind of hit me. I was like, oh, right. This is what's different than what I did before. Like when I was younger, when I was in school, I would spend a lot of time all day walking to school or biking to school, walking between classes, you know, during all the way up to the end of high school, it would be like 50 minute classes and then 10 minute, five minute, 10 minute breaks in between. We'd get to walk between classes. You'd get up, you'd move around. And as I started researching and I was like, oh, yeah, it's not just getting a lot of intense movement in through hardcore exercise. You need to get a large volume of low impact movement in as well to be healthy. Mm-hmm. What a great revelation. Like Roland has um, a 19 and a 20, 21 year old. And it's amazing to watch his daughter who is out and about all the time. And then at night, I'm like brushing my teeth. And she's like, see ya, I'm out with friends, going dancing. (laughs) And I was like, I would love to stick a pedometer on her and just see, you know, she probably goes to like 20,000 or more steps a day just because of how Mm -hmm. they live life. Um, And that totally used to be me in high school and in college and being in a European city that's very walkable. And we mm-hmm. use public transportation and um, subway, and you you're always walking. And I moved to the states, and I was like, oh, I need a pedometer because now I need to make this behavior, which happened very naturally. So I can totally relate with you um, as you discover that. And what a revelation! Because most people would never look at lifestyle; they would just do what they're doing harder, just mm-hmm. do weights faster, move your kettlebells harder. Um, do more intensity, do it fasted, um, do the whatever, do some sort of a liquid diet. They just try to do the same thing harder instead of looking at the big picture. 
Yeah, they're going to see something in their Facebook news feed about doing a kale, lemon juice, and cayenne pepper fast for 10 days, and they're going to try that. And they're like, why isn't this fixing everything? Well, yeah, it's a bit more complicated than that. There's no, you know, magic bullet to solve all your problems when it comes to health. Right, Um, right. So, So in your research, I'm very curious did you find books or studies or or blogs or podcasts like what were your you had this aha moment and then did you find any researchers or people who do this for a living that inspired you and kind of like strengthened your path and your beliefs yeah so other than us of course of course (laughs) other than you know present company excluded um yeah, there. I definitely found more information through studies and things like that. There were a couple of books that touch on it lightly, um, but they didn't dive too deeply into it. Um, the first book that I read that really got me down this whole path, not just of you know frequent movement, but sort of all the changes I made to get healthier in general, was The Paleo Solution by Rob Wolf. Mm-hmm. Um, and at some point, I believe it was in that book, it might have been in uh, Mark Sisson's The Primal Blueprint, but they talk about how our primitive ancestors walked an average of four to ten miles a day. But the way cities are laid out in the U.S., that's just like not feasible at all unless you intentionally live right by your work. So most people are lucky if they get like one mile in when you consider the fact that most of us drive a half hour to work, sit eight hours at a desk, spend an hour sitting on lunch, you know, eating lunch and chatting with our coworkers, spend a half hour driving back. And then, you know, you've been sitting for 10 hours, essentially, and for many people, you actually feel kind of like wiped out after that. And so you don't, you know, the idea of going and getting exercise and things like that, you're like, I don't want to do that. I'm exhausted. It's like, how are you exhausted? You've been sitting all day. Mm -hmm. It's kind of weird how that works. Um, So Rob Wolf touched on that in the paleo solution. Um, And then I came across some studies where they measured if taking um, more frequent breaks throughout the day, one measured a break every 20 minutes, one measured a break every 30 minutes, Uh, just for like two minutes of low impact activity, like walking around and the effects that it had on, you know, glucose release levels on different biomarkers for cardiovascular disease and things like that were pretty remarkable. Um, And then based on those studies and some other ones, there was a book specifically written on uh, taking breaks for movement throughout the day by uh, Gretchen Reynolds. Are you familiar with her? I'm um, no. I'm thinking of Gretchen Rubin, and now I'm completely discombobulated. Dis- <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so Gretchen was- Reynolds is um, she is the phys ed writer for the New York Times, actually. Oh, cool. Uh, and she wrote a book called The First Twenty Minutes that is specifically about this thing. And in it, she recommends a whole bunch of different things that people can do. Oh, very um, cool. That I usually recommend to my clients as well. For example, anything that doesn't require you to be, you know, sitting at your keyboard typing or looking at the screen. For example, if you're on a conference call where you just have to listen and talk back and forth with your coworkers, or if you need to read a physical piece of paper, you know, always when you can stand up, maybe just sort of shift from side to side mm-hmm. or pace back and forth mm-hmm. uh, in your, you know, desk or cubicle area can work wonders. Um, Gretchen actually references that she has one of those uh, cheap like music stands for holding sheet music that she uses to put, you know, paper documents on when she needs to read, which I find kind of funny. Mm-hmm. That is very cool. And it's something that we teach to all of our students. And I I used to do quite a bit of corporate education um, up until a couple of years ago when my work started changing. And that's mm-hmm. I would just have them get up even as they were listening to me. Like there's no reason like you come in to do a training for people who sit too much and there's a room full of chairs. 
And it's mm-hmm. like, okay, we need to change something here. Like, can you stand for five minutes while you listen to me? And then you can sit back down, do some posture changes in your chairs. But we're such a sedentary culture that even when we're listening about change, we we continue to sit. And it's mm-hmm. a very, very interesting thing. Um, Roland also uses the word standentary, where he has to, um, <laughs> because of the nature of his work, sometimes he just has to stand in one place and not move, which mm-hmm. isn't very helpful either. And he'll come home and just be like, Look at my Fitbit. I have a uh, 2,500 steps, and I feel like I'm gonna die because I my just. My feet are so tired, I but just, I only have like two, like 2,500 steps. I just stood all day in one place in front of a giant mm-hmm. machine, and and it's these the the still behaviors of our culture that are so needing a change, almost like a paradigm shifting change. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's actually a pretty common problem that you see. Um, I don't know if this is like a cultural thing or this is just sort of a human nature thing, but what you often see is if people have been sort of neglecting their health for a while and they say, okay, I want to make a change. I'm going to get a standing desk and I've been sitting all day, so now I'm going to stand all day. And they try to stand all day. And what they've found is that just switching one for the other isn't good on its own. Um, just standing all day can cause a whole bunch of other issues. Like, you know, as Roland mentioned, your feet hurting, uh, ankle and knee pain are very common. Um, for, you know, jobs that require standing still all day, like jobs in the service industry, like working on a, you know, assembly line or something like that, people can run into pretty serious issues like varicose veins. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, it's not, there's no one cure all for this. You need to, you know, maybe stand for a bit, maybe walk back and forth for a bit. Mm-hmm. And it is very difficult for a lot of people based on the nature of their work. Mm-hmm. Um, what I've found is that, you know, certain tasks require a lot more concentration than others. So usually for ones like that, you're either going to need to stand still or sit. But if you're doing some other things like reading an email, maybe you can shift back and forth. Or as I said, if you're on a phone call, um, you really have to sort of parse out the different types of work that you do and figure out, okay, I'm going to have to be still at this point. So these other ones require less of my concentration. That's when I can start moving around a little bit. I really like that because it almost pairs the kind of activity, the kind of mental activity and focus activity that you have to do and the the level of work your brain has to do with the level of movement that that activity can be safely and effectively paired with. Because you also don't want to be at the end of a workday and be like, okay, I got nothing done, but Mm -hmm. I'm I'm kind of, I feel loose all over, but I'm, uh, I'm about to lose my job, right? So... So kind of balancing these two, and it's always a day-to-day balancing. I find that people want that perfect solution, and that's why a stand-up desk, for example, um, which is kind of a nice segue into our next question, sounds like a good solution because here's the thing that's going to solve my problem, and then I don't need to continue making these changes on a day-to-day basis. But the body is a process. You can't really do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's, like I said, there's no you know magic bullet instant cure for any of these things. I mean, an ideal solution would probably be like a combination of walking with the treadmill desk and then also standing in a standing desk and sitting on, say, like a kneeling chair and a yoga ball. And maybe, I don't know if you could sit um, like cross-legged, if you could find something lower to the ground so you could sort of vary up your sitting posture that way. Mm. But if you, I mean, try to imagine switching between all those different positions throughout the day and not having it take a pretty significant toll on your work, that's, that'd be a pretty tough sell. So, you know, there's this phrase that I'm fond of. Um, I believe it was uh, 
uh, Voltaire, mm-hmm. uh, 18th century French philosopher, who said, perfect is the enemy of good. Mm-hmm. And that's something that you see in a lot of, you know, health and wellness and fitness communities is that like, you know, I, for example, um, join a bunch of uh, like Facebook groups and uh, subreddit, you know, forums for like uh, ketogenic and paleo diets. And you get a situation that I guess you could describe as like the the vocal uh, the vocal minority versus the silent majority, where the people who are most vocal about this have had it impact their lives in a very positive, significant way. So they're very passionate about it, and they want to. They talk about it in a very strict way, and it sort of makes it difficult for people who just want to make simple improvements to their health, but don't want to go, you know, dive into the deep end because it's complicated, it's confusing, and it can be very. Um, discouraging to new people coming in because they just, you know, see all this complex, you know, this wall of information and it overwhelms them and then they just end up giving up. And that's, you know, that's a real shame because if someone were to pick up this sort of healthy habits or this healthy lifestyle and only adhere to it, you know, even 60% of the time is way better than none. And it's really discouraging to see that sort of communication happening. Yeah, we see that all the time, which is kind of what inspired us to write our latest book, where we really wanted people to have a bite-sized piece of information they could act on without being paralyzed by, you know, this this kind of wall of change that they see in front of them. And if I want to be completely honest, oftentimes that perf- perfection is is not necessary to change. Um, change mm-hmm. is what's necessary to change. So little yeah. by little, you can you can make small changes and really see tremendous results when those changes are biologically valid. Like we make a lot of changes that are not biologically valid. Moving around is going to have a huge impact because it's going to change what every cell does, right? There's this whole mechanical mm-hmm. stimulation on each cell and each organ and system. Changing to adding a kale and lemon cayenne (laughs) deal, which is a non, it's like non-nutritive behavior. Like it's not doing anything for you. Adding butter to your diet might do something, right? Which is Mm -hmm. another fad that we see around, but it might actually do something. Whereas adding kale and lemon would probably do absolutely nothing. So Mm -hmm. people put all this effort in things that don't work. They don't have a way to evaluate why they would work or not work because they don't have a biological or scientific basis of understanding of how the body works. And then it's like, oh, all this effort for nothing. And so what you're doing, what we're doing together, hopefully um, as a movement is to help people do the things that biologically matter so that they're not discouraged by the effort they put in the wrong direction, right? Yeah, I'm actually in the process of developing something like that myself as well. basically just a, a short online course that people can go through that will sort of teach them the the basics of all these things that just give them that entry level of knowledge, just enough to get started and see improvement. Because I think that if you let people or give people the tools to make simple changes that have a positive impact on their life, then that's going to give them sort of the drive and the inspiration to keep pushing forward. But if you just sort of like, you know, brain dump all of this information on them at once and they just get overwhelmed and they give up. Mm-hmm. Um, so I definitely think there's some some validity to doing something like that and just give people, you know, what they need at first to have a positive impact. And then once, you know, once 
you've convinced them that, okay, this is what I need to do, then you can start, you know, digging deeper into all these different things. Great. Yeah. We, we, we seems like we all see eye to eye. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. So we already talked a little bit about um, all the different types of positions and, and the importance to move, move things around, change things up. So in general, like, how do you feel about stand-up desks? Because they can be kind of expensive or big and bulky. And do you, do you think we all still need them? Um, I would recommend it to anybody who can afford it. Obviously, some people can't you know, afford to drop $300 on a standing desk. But if you can even just switch between those two, say sitting and standing every you know, half hour, if you do, say, the Pomodoro technique, which we, uh, we had talked about earlier on the emails, um, that's a great way just to give your body that little bit of variety throughout the day to get some different types of postures and movements in. Um, I basically, what I usually recommend to people because, you know, like I said before, the best solution would be, you know, treadmill plus standing plus this plus that and the other thing. And that's kind of, it's, it would be prohibitively expensive and not very plausible for most people. Like I can't imagine, you know, the average employee who works in an office fitting a treadmill and a standing desk into their like little cubicle space. It's just not going to happen. Um, but what I've found that people can sort of get, you know, maybe not the perfect solution, but the best solution in a, um, you know, basically the most economical way of doing it and the most compact way of doing it. So obviously the standing desk is going to be a little bit more expensive, but if you do have a standing desk, instead of getting, say, a treadmill desk, which you can get are, um, you know those little like stair stepper devices? Mm-hmm. So you've got the big bulky ones you have at the gym, but there are some pretty minimalist the, the QV The QVC on version. <laughs> exactly, yeah. And it's you know, not going to give you massive calves or anything like that, but it will allow you to get some movement in your legs as you work on, you know, as we mentioned earlier, something that requires a little bit less mental energy if you're on a conference call or something like that. Um, so that's sort of a a good, uh, um, you know, a good middle ground between standing and treadmill desk that's not going to sort of put you out and make it impossible for you to bring that into your daily life. Um, It'd be cool so if usually, we can get these things to power our computers too, like you know. So that's, I mean, you know, hopefully that'd be some some crazy <laughs> futuristic stuff, but that would uh, that would be wonderful. Can you imagine the science fiction movie we could have here with like treadmill desks, like this big, you know, everyone has all these different things, and it'd be like like Brazil, but with like brighter lights and <laughs> the movie Brazil, yeah, somebody, not the country. Uh, Somebody call up J.J. Abrams. I think we've got an Oscar winner right there. That's right. Yeah, that would be awesome. Yeah. Yeah, so um, those uh, those are usually a good way to get some more movement in. Another thing that I recommend people get are um, you can get a set of basic uh, different um, different levels of intensity resistance bands. You can get a set of those on Amazon for like $10. Um, and you can get a bunch of movement in with those as well throughout the day. If Even if you're just sitting still and reading an email, you can like, Put one under your foot and just do like a really lightweight, you know, bicep movement or something like that. Um, so those are all some really good ways to implement movement um, without, you know, having to do anything too crazy with it. That's very cool. And, you know, when people think about movement, the examples that you give are are great because everybody can imagine like stepping up and down or holding a rubber band and pulling it up and down where mm-hmm. we feel really stumped is the way we define movement in our work is any joint, any change in joint position or joint geometry. So mm-hmm. if you were standing 
over your feet with your weight equally distributed, that's one position. And then if you mm -hmm. stand on one foot, that's a different position. And then if one foot's forward, kind of a, a staggered stance, that's the third position. And then if you really open your legs out on in a V, that's a different mm -hmm. position. So each of these changes of geometry and positioning are going to require your body to work a little bit differently and your brain to be continually mapping your body so that it knows where you're in space. And so we define that as movement too. It's amazing how much easier it is for people if you tell them get a treadmill desk or a stepper to accept that versus changing positions because it seems like, wow, I have to change position. First, you have to be aware, self-aware that you've been in the same position for a while. Mm -hmm. Then you need to think of, oh, what's the position that I'm going to go in now that's different? So now you're going to change that. So it's almost like it adds another layer of thinking. If you're doing something that's, oh, here's a rubber band. I'm just going to grab it and lift it up. Or I'm going to just move my feet on the stepper. It seems like it's almost like predetermined. And it removes that step where you need to have the extra awareness and you need to think of what's the next position. And we record a ton of videos and things to help people um, kind of have a, a, a dynamic workstation and to take them through these routines so they memorize them in their bodies. But I love that. I love having something there that's just the thing reminds you, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And um, you definitely, it, it's funny because if people ask me this question like, oh, what's the best tool I can get or what's the best uh, thing I can bring to you know get more movement in throughout the day or what's the best tool I can use? Well, the best tool you can use is your body. I mean, that's what it does. That's kind of what it's designed to do. Right. You don't need to buy anything to start moving more. Um, you know, one of the first things that I recommend, and, you know, I'm sure your listeners are a little bit familiar with this, but if you implement the Pomodoro technique where you work in 25-minute batches with five-minute breaks in between, then during each of those five-minute breaks, just get up, walk around, you know, depending on what your working situation is. If you're, you know, working at home, you can do like, you know, push-ups or bodyweight squats or something like that. If you work in a, uh, I don't know, a less judgmental office, you can do it in the office too. Uh, that's, you know, a personal choice. I'm not going to tell you whether or not to do that. Um, but yeah, you can easily, easily get, because movement might not be the best word to describe it, but really what we want is any uh, anything, any change in your body that sort of creates an increased metabolic rate that causes the muscles in your body to fire even just a little bit more than they have been. Um, so another thing that I usually recommend to people that's a great way to get started, you know, if they're on a budget, is you can replace your chair with a yoga ball um, because that has a number of different benefits for posture, which we can touch on a little bit later. But the fact is you have to keep yourself balanced. And that makes all of your, you know, the muscles in your core fire just to keep stabilized. And you've got to, you can sort of shift it back and forth with your feet as if you're like rolling side to side a little bit. And you're not really getting like a ton of movement in. You're not physically moving around that much, but your body does have to exert effort to keep you straight and upright. So it is, you know, I wouldn't call it movement per se, but it is better than being completely sedentary. Oh, absolutely. And then that's kind of like looking in the big picture where people can imagine, oh, here's muscle, here's joint, here's bone, here's tendon, here's fascia. But at the very microscopic level, we have cells. Mm -hmm. And each cell responds to mechanical stimulus. So compression and torsion, right? 
strength, stretch, mm-hmm. all these things are mechanical stimuli. And those of the listeners who have Move Your DNA by Katie Bowman, there's a great illustration of these de- cell deformations, mechanical cell deformations. And mm-hmm. if you just shift on one butt cheek, that's a whole lot of deformation to the cells on the right side of your body versus the left. So every mm-hmm. little change in posture is going to stimulate cells differently. And over time, that does matter quite quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, yeah. And I'm, I think that there's, um, so the way that I usually try to describe this to people when it comes to, you know, ways to combat the damage of sedentary desk jobs or sedentary life in general, you've got essentially three different types of solutions. You've got um, solutions that mitigate the damage it's caused. So, for example, if um, you have to commute for a half hour to work each way by car, there's really not too many great ways to avoid, you know, sitting in that position from hurting your back. It's like you have to sit in this chair. There's, I don't think they're going to invent a standing desk for a car. Like this is not <laughs> something that's likely to change. So what you, you know, the best thing you could do is a solution that's going to mitigate the damage. In this case, damage to your lower back from being in that seated position. So you get like a mesh lumbar support for your car uh, chair that would not, you know, completely solve the problem, but it will at least mitigate the damage to your back. Um, so we've got mitigating uh, solutions. You've got preventative solutions. So just preventing the damage from occurring in the first place, which, you know, that would be something like a standing desk that allows you to stand up straight and maintain proper posture or a yoga ball or a kneeling chair instead of your traditional desk chair, um, because that allows you to maintain proper posture by essentially reducing the torque on your lower back that your thighs cause. So, um Essentially, what I found is that um, the best like way to describe this, if you look at your thighs as if they're a wrench attached to the base of your spine, the closer they are to parallel with the floor, the more torque it's applying to the base of your spine. And it kind of by, you know, by the position itself, it sort of pulls it down and out of alignment. It's applying pressure there. So it's not, you know, people say like, oh, how can I sit with good posture? It's like, well, your chair encourages bad posture. So the best thing to do is replace the chair. So a preventative solution there would be something like a kneeling chair or a yoga ball. Um, so you've got mitigating, preventative, and then rever- reversal solutions. What things can you do to reverse the damage uh, the years of damage that have been caused by living this way. And that's going to be things like different types of stretches, um, if we're talking about weight gain, different types of diet and exercise and those sorts of things. And I apologize. I realize I just went off on a really long tangent. No, <laughs> no, it's not. It actually makes a lot of sense to um, kind of have these compartments of, hey, this is how you make this unavoidable activity a little bit gentler and a little bit mm-hmm. more biomechanically sound, biologically sound. Here's how you can, you know, start to reverse some of what's been happening. And here's how you can continue to do this thing in a slightly smarter way. Um, mm-hmm. So I love that. But, you know, at the end of the day, we're all sometimes forced to do jobs that are not the kindest to our bodies. And mm-hmm. knowing in what way you can change that and how you can create more um, body position, posture variability, all of these things that help things move better and decrease the amount of those same sedentary behaviors when you don't have to do them um, is, mm-hmm. is really, really important. That's why like, at home we don't have a place where we sit to eat dinner. We eat dinner on the floor um, and mm-hmm. and that's our way to have a different posture 
where we've had to sit. I don't have to sit at all at my work, um, other than very rarely. I probably have three hours of chair behaviors a week, whereas mm -hmm. Roland has to do a lot more in, in his meetings. But even with that, I'm way more comfortable on the floor than I am um, than, yeah. than I am sitting in a normal chair. And I'm actually fortunate because I'm also short. And I can <laughs> sit like at a restaurant. I can totally cross my legs on any chair. I have, fav I have favor a favorable body with lots of mobility. So I can sit in a chair cross-legged and be quite comfortable and nobody knows. Like we go to this, this one of our favorite <clears throat> restaurants is a uh, Himalayan restaurant. It's like mm -hmm. Indian and uh, Indian and Himalayan, and they have like our favorite place to sit is this long table where they sit on the floor, where you sit on mm -hmm. the floor with your legs underneath it. And I last about half an hour, and then I'm like, oh, my back is killing me because I'm like, there's no, I can't sit cross-legged because the table's too low. And, and he has these long. My legs really long. Long legs. And I I suffer from tight everything, so like. I have to like, sort of lean back and then I got to like get it. up and walk around. And it's <laughs> yeah. like, mm -hmm. so I always have to like pick the, I want to be down at the end. Please don't make me sit in the corner. Cause then I have to get up every time and move, move you guys all around. So yeah. So for me, moving frequently comes naturally because when I do sit on the floor, um, I sometimes don't even last the Pomodoro, one Pomodoro <laughs> before, before yeah. my body feels the urge to get up and walk around a little bit. Well, and that's the thing where you're sitting on an uncomfortable surface, um, like sitting on the floor or sitting cross-legged in a chair. You can only sit for so long before you have to move postures. But there's a whole industry devoted to making these um, more and more. Um, they're almost like sedating chairs. Like they're so. Dude, don't even get me started. Like they're those. so like cushion comfy, <laughs> and the goal is to make you forget that you have a body for as long as possible and then you've been in this position that now you don't think about your digestive system or your spleen and liver or kidneys being in just that one position this whole time oh this chair is so comfortable and it's like you just got high on chair and i'm not and, and I'm, I'm just not going to support that i did a training of, i think about seven or eight years ago it was my I was, I, I was a participant in a training, and the company that was training us had rented this ergonomic chair showroom. So we had, our training was in a place with like 500 of like epic 2,000 euro chairs or whatever. And it was insane. Like you can sit in one of those things and be like, okay, I don't have a body. I'm okay with not having a body. <laughs> It, it's, it was really like, I felt like it was evil, like an evil empire made those chairs. Yeah, we get a lot of questions about how it's like, how do I pick a new ergonomic chair? My office says I can spend money to redo my cubicle. Um, how do I pick the best ergonomic chair? And I'm like, well, you know, like instead of the chair, I want to focus the money on other areas that give you the opportunity to move around and change positions a lot more. Mm -hmm. um, like so you, like you mentioned, uh, we're going to talk a little bit about tools in a minute, but like one of the things that one of the, my our favorite tools is, is the backjoy, which is a very inexpensive item. You can sit on a chair, you can take it with you, you can put put it pretty much anywhere, but it addresses that pelvic tilt that you know has you sit back and sink into this chair in a way that's just not really 
it's natural, but it's straight on your tailbone. Sort of the new normal, right? Mm-hmm. So it allows you to sort of combat that by just tilting you forward a little bit, and right, uh, it's right. inexpensive. And but the, but when people try it, they're like, well, but I can only sit there for like half an hour, and then I feel like I got to get up and move around. And I'm like, success. <laughs> they're like, oh, yeah, I you're guess. welcome. There you go. I know. Yeah. So you hate those chairs too? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, we we've, we've got um, modern life kind of encourages sedentary behavior, but to be healthy, you need to move around more. Yet people are creating things that make it easier for people to be more sedentary. I'm like, no, you're going in the wrong direction with this thing. Right. It's very interesting. Somebody has been uh, kind of asking me, like, oh, like look at these heels because I'm. I, I teach transition to minimal footwear. Most of my clients benefit greatly from transitioning to minimal footwear that allows the foot to move. Mm-hmm. And there's somebody invented high heels that are quote unquote quote natural. Like they have some sort of a cushioning in there and they're sort of the 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 ergonomic chair version of a high heel. It's like <laughs> the so, phrase natural high heel sounds like an oxymoron. Right. So now you're going to be comfortable but these are not as bad for me and it's like we're we're really not negotiating it's like the shoes with the springs and the heel right that we saw it's like we're, <laughs> oh we're, dear lord it's like we're not really negotiating what your body needs here we're trying to negotiate um I, I lost my train of thought but what people are trying to negotiate is how do i continue doing the same behavior with paying less tax like how do i continue smoking like how many apples do i need to cancel this cigarette and it just does not work like that biology Mm -hmm. doesn't work like that you had the cigarette it's in you like you can't you can't blow it out like it's already in there so i'm i'm curious how how you feel about that kind of gives me peace that we're not the only people who are like oh don't waste money on these chairs uh i mean it's it, to me, it just looks like you know people are digging the hole even deeper. I mean, if you want to prevent this damage from getting you know worse in the future, then what you need is to essentially strengthen the parts of your body that you know are the failure points in this you know entire biological system. And you know that's why you know as I mentioned before, the way um, the your thighs being close to parallel puts that stress on your lower back. The reason that yoga balls and kneeling chairs are good is because you're able to angle your thighs closer to the ground. So sitting upright with good posture actually becomes a lot easier. Um, And it's really fascinating how little of a change in your thighs can make that difference. Uh, One great way to to sort of test this out and sort of see firsthand how different it is, is if you sit cross-legged on the ground and see like try to sit upright with good posture. And then sit. Have you ever heard of uh, Siza position? S E I Z A. Yeah. So sit cross-legged and then sit in Siza and see how much easier it is to sit up with good posture in Siza position. It's like night and day. So just making that change alone, you're going to be able to sit upright with posture, and then throughout the eight hours of your day, you're going to be strengthening all the musculature of your core and back. It might not seem like much, but eight hours of the force of gravity while you're sitting in good posture is going to sort of help you strengthen those weak areas so that you don't need this ergonomically designed chair or this lumbar support on your chair to help your body stay upright because your body can do it on its own. 
Absolutely, because when your muscles are aligned with the, the vector of force, then it becomes easier for your muscles to do their job when they're outside of the vector of force. It just doesn't happen. One thing that you bring up for me right now is the um, bringing your legs away from parallel. Uh, we, we call this bolstering. Uh, when when mm. we when we work, whether you're on the floor or in some sort of a corrective exercise position where you use props, whether it's a higher ball or chair in this case, or a yoga bolster or pillows mm -hmm. or balls, whatever it is we're going to use on the floor, floor cushions, in order to bring your bones in a way or muscles, bones, the whole structure, the whole musculoskeletal system to a place where the bones can work in the joints. And the reason why they can't is because we are sedentary as a population. This is why, you know, if you take whole cultures, for example, like Southeast Asian cultures, or even in Eastern Europe where I'm from, people have no problem squatting to the ground. Mm -hmm. Like uh, what we call an astograss squat is not a <laughs> is not a problem, right? Like the th yeah. what they call the third world squat sometimes. Mm -hmm. Whereas you know you get all these Western um, North American people, especially, have a really hard time squatting, and it's not because um, you know there's there's something only anthropometrically different, which there is, but that's not enough. There isn't the cultural habit of moving in those positions. So your mom and dad don't squat to make kimchi on the ground, so you don't squat to make kimchi on the ground. So right, you right. you grow up with a vacuum and a broom, which you never get down to clean the floor. So your body never develops the necessary movements, necessary mobility, necessary um, relationships between bones and, joint, and joints and muscles and the soft tissues. So what you're talking about is actually a great way for somebody who doesn't have the mobility to get themselves able to be with gravity in a different way. But over time, if people do the correctives and the stretches, most people find that now they can sit with their legs parallel or sit on the floor without a bolster and they're fine but it's mm -hmm. because they have developed the skill. And what you're talking about is really necessary, the whole bolstering idea, to meet your body where it is. Because people would try to sit on the floor and be like, I can't, it hurts too much. Yeah, because you're sitting on your tailbone. But if you had the bolster, you could get yourself where your pelvis can be neutral, and now your spine can have an, a natural S shape, and you can be aligned with gravity and be fine. Mm -hmm. So when so Galena is one of Katie Bowman's teachers, and I've taken um, taken one uh, Katie's class at the Restorative Exercise Institute, and we used actual yoga bolsters. Like that was how we were we were sort of taught this this. Um, so where and like I said before, like I'm really tight short, stiff, whatever, and uh, I, in order to get myself into this co sort of comfortable alignment, I really had to bolster pretty high, and mm -hmm. but it's come down over time yeah. as I use it more and more. I can lower that bolster to where now I can just sit on the yoga bolster. I used to have to have a yoga bolster and a blanket and all these <laughs> things to like bolster <laughs> me up, like to get into that, that kneeling position, and yeah. um, my... I don't know if she still has it. My mom has one of those kneeling chairs. Next time we go over mm -hmm. there, I'll have to ask her and see if I can try that. Because I never, I've, I've, I've only sat in one once, and it was when she had it in front of the computer years ago. And I'm like, I'm not mm -hmm. sitting in this thing. Where's the normal chair? <laughs> but now I'm intrigued. 
Nice, nice. Yeah, I um, I mean, I'm not even going to claim that, you know, I'm some perfect specimen of flexibility and all this stuff because of what I do. Like, I still need to sit on a bolster in yoga class when it comes to the, you know, the sitting in the meditative position at the start. So uh, my, you know, hip flexibility isn't the best either. But doing these sorts of things definitely helps because I assure you it was far, far worse before. Mm-hmm. Roland has gained quite a bit of mobility since... Um, since I first met him about 10 years ago. And it's very interesting because, you know, for many of us, there's actual um, bone restrictions to how we can move because we didn't move in a particular way as kids or were structured in a particular way. And even with those bone arthrokinematic restrictions, we can still get better in all the soft tissues that are around. And it's so encouraging to see, I have clients in their 60s and 70s who are continually getting better and they're able to sit with their kids on the floor and grandkids on the floor and play and go hiking and walk dogs and do all these things that you know some younger people can't do. Yeah, it's really fascinating. The body is this incredible, incredibly adaptive like machine that can sort of just you know, if you do the right things or make the right changes, you know, your body can do pretty incredible things despite how, you know, in whatever, in bad shape or how, you know, poor your your range of motion was in different, you know, joints and muscle groups and things like that. Like with the right changes, the body can adapt incredibly well. Mm-hmm. It's very, very interesting just seeing, you know, people sort of testing the limits of the human body in all these different ways. Mm-hmm. It's incredibly uh, inspiring because I get to see changes every day. And it, it's just so cool. It's so cool because by the time people come to me, they're all doctored out. Um, they, <laughs> they've either, either been told that they need a surgery or an extra surgery or whatever it is. And it's like, wow, you're dancing at your you know, kid's wedding. And like three weeks ago, you thought you needed surgery. So sometimes things can change very, very quickly. And sometimes they don't. But then at least we have an idea of what we're dealing with and where movement fits in all of that. And being still is really the the biggest, I think the biggest lifestyle factor for disease that we have right now. And it's so wonderful and noble what you're doing. Oh, Oh, thank you. Um, yeah, I mean, that's it's kind of the reason that I did it, because the more I read into all this stuff and the more I learned about it, I'm like, modern sedentary life, it's like a public health crisis. Like, mm-hmm. It's a very serious issue. I mean, diet's incredibly important, too. But the fact is, you know, as I said, uh, I don't recall if I mentioned it on the call or before we started, but um, I spent, you know, about the last year from October 2016 to October 2017 uh, traveling around. And, um, you know, I was living in places like uh, Colombia or Hungary or Serbia, and I saw a lot of the people, you know, the local diets, particularly in Colombia, it was very like a ton of starchy carbs and sugary fruit juices and things like that. And I usually, you know, I kind of follow the uh, low carb ketogenic diet as being a good way to avoid these sorts of things. And despite eating a, you know, a ton a ton of carbohydrates all the people there were far far better shape and mm-hmm. more just healthy looking than the people um you know back home and i was like okay what's different with the people here well in uh, medellin colombia where i was living for a while it was just you know cars i mean they obviously existed but the vast majority of people were just walking and taking public transit everywhere mm-hmm. you know at least a half hour each way just to do that yeah um and it was a very sort of like 
village type of city where like you know you had all these things in your neighborhood so you would just walk down to the cafe and meet your friends or walk here or Mm -hmm. there and people would be getting at least a few hours of good movement in and if that's all done walking you know as you said the um the average uh primitive hunter-gatherer ancestors walked four to ten miles a day average human walking speed is three miles an hour so if you walk for you know an hour and 20 minutes you're getting that four miles in um and if you're getting you know more movement in than that all the better yeah it's very cool we recently wrote a piece for my fitness pal we blog for them and it was on how you can slowly increase your walking over they made an infographic out of it it was really cool how to slowly increase your walking over seven days in order to get to an hour a day and i'm the kind of person that it gives me anxiety to read comments on things that i wrote so i don't <laughs> i just don't i don't read yeah, comments yeah. I, uh, I i have other things to do with my energy and mm-hmm. it's very hard for me not to respond if i get a negative comment so i just keep myself out of that field but roland has quite a bit of capacity for reading comments and he comes home he's like do you see the comments i'm like of course not can you say what some of the comments were saying yeah i mean it went a lot of people are like oh my gosh it's this is revolutionary like you know going from half an hour to an hour in, in over a week but then there were so many people that were like i can't believe you're expecting people to go from a half an hour to an hour of walking that's so unrealistic like not, some of them said for this day and age, some of them said, like, there were, uh, well, not everyone can walk that far because they have injuries and things like that. I'm like, I don't know, it was, there was a lot of, uh, like, it's like they wanted this article to be, it was an infographic, right? It was like one page, right? Mm-hmm. But they wanted it to be, almost to be like a book. Okay, so if you do have this, then you do this. If you don't have this, you do this. And, you know, you just can't do that. But I was just so surprised that people, there was overwhelmingly the comments were positive and I'm this has inspired me I had no idea it'd be this easy to go from a half an hour to an hour um, so the, the the positives far outweighed the negatives I was just surprised at the at the pushback from some of these people saying how ridiculous it was because an hour of walking is really not that much no not at all I mean you know as I mentioned earlier I I have a house uh, in my city but it's actually way out in the suburbs and when I was traveling around and spending time just walking, you know, around in these different cities, I was like, man, I actually really hate driving and I hate commuting. So when I got back, you know, I had my house rented out while I was away. I just kept renting it out and I moved to like the part of town where I can just walk to all the places I like to go to because I'm like, I would rather just, you know, be able to spend more time walking and biking and, you know, moving around by doing that instead of just having to drive everywhere because that's just less time that I have to spend sitting. It's very cool. I moved to the States six years ago and I told Roland I don't want to drive. Like I, It's too much of a culture shock moving to the States anyways. And if I start mm-hmm. driving, I feel like it's, it's going to be even worse for me. So we chose to live downtown where mm-hmm. I can walk everywhere and bike. And I'm six years into not owning a car. And Mm. it's amazing some of my clients, like, when they find out, they're like, oh, my God, like, how do you get around? I'm like, (laughs) I walk and I bike. Well, there's um, this crazy new thing called Uber, right? And and yeah. our and our community, uh, Roland's been living in our community for 25 years, was built around the idea of you raise your kids here, 
And so it's full of these green paths and green belts between the communities where you can walk under this fully beautifully shaded with gorgeous gardening paths everywhere. I mean, in Eastern Europe, you'd give an arm and a leg to have this sort of walk to work. It's beautiful. And there's no one there. I feel yeah, like I'm like, this place. Sign it, me up. It's like the zombie apocalypse. It's like, it's like I'm, I don't go there because there's no parking spots nearby. <laughs> it's like it's like I walk all through town and it's just wonderful. And most of these green belts connect trails, so you could walk in a nature trail, go into a green belt, walk a green belt to a lake to another trail. If you wanted to, you could do just beautiful like a whole day of city slash hiking in our in our community and there's no one i probably meet i met one lady from finland on monday (laughs) and i met another guy from the uk like on friday like i don't really meet if you meet someone you you almost always know they're a foreigner (laughs) (laughs) we've met more bulgarians just walking on these paths than we even knew were in the city (laughs) yeah 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 Yeah. but it's interesting because when when uh when she first started like walking around right people our friends people would would pull over and offer to give you give her a ride right and, are you okay yeah are you okay like you need a ride and, and now they just uh, now they just roll down the window and wave yeah. <laughs> so so they've come to accept our walkingness yeah but it yeah, but yeah. it's totally doable and you know that feeling when you haven't showered I'm sure all the listeners know that feeling. And they're like, oh, Um, yeah, yeah, (laughs) that's what I'm thinking. Yeah, like I really have to shower like you at some point, like you don't need an app on your phone to tell you to shower. Like you're like, okay, I know Mm -hmm. the feeling or the feeling that you haven't brushed your teeth. I get that feeling when I haven't moved on Mm -hmm. the on the inside. It's like I need to move like I have the feeling of I haven't moved. And um, years and years ago, I was at the Bulgarian Sports Academy, and in some of our fitness classes, one of our older teachers would say, you know that you have reached, quote unquote, fitness, like a level of fitness in your life where you feel horrible when you haven't moved. That's excellent. And it was so cool to know, okay, he was like, if you ever wonder if you're fit, you have reached a level of fitness for yourself when you feel uncomfortable that you haven't done it and Mm -hmm. i feel like if we can train our kids since they're very little to walk a lot something that katie bowman is doing with her kids and um you know taking them everywhere and walking and I've, i've been with her since before she had her first one so i've really gotten to watch her raise them in that um kind of hunter-gatherer fashion that not many Western people can afford to do, but she's actually done it, served as a great role model. Then as they get older, they will be able to have that internal sense of, oh, I haven't moved. I need to get out and move. Absolutely, yeah. And uh, for you know listeners who haven't listened to that yet, go listen to the Katie Bowman episode because that is an excellent, excellent episode. Um, pulled a ton of good info from that myself. Um, I'm just sort of just getting into the the barefoot um, well not barefoot but the minimalist footwear journey because mm-hmm. i didn't want to just have the vibrams when i was traveling around so i just went for like a uh you know a simple low arch pair of uh just basic like chuck taylor converse shoes mm-hmm. but i have a pair of vibrams uh that were sitting at home that i picked back up once i got back and i also have a pair of do you know vivo barefoot oh i love them uh, that's most mm-hmm. of what i wear that's what my yeah, work, so that's what my, my dress shoe is. I have, I have. Exactly. That's that's what I have them for as well. Yeah, that's for dressy occasions. 
Um, and then, you know, I've got my vibe rooms for the daily wear. Um, so there was a ton, a ton of good info in that episode. Um, and I was going to go off on something else about this, but I forgot what the question was. <laughs> we were talking about how it becomes uncomfortable and how we, if we can right, raise right. our kids to get mm. the same way that it's like, have you brushed your teeth? It's like, have you walked today? You know, like yeah. if we can get them into that culture through our own role modeling, then it becomes so easy. Yeah. So the interesting thing is that I'm fairly certain that everybody feels what you're describing, that sort of, you know, the sluggishness, the, you know, the back pain or whatever, all of these symptoms. But most people haven't connected the dots. They haven't realized that this is a direct result of me sitting still, of me not moving. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's weird that, in you know the modern world people almost have to become like a a scientist you know experimenting on your own body to figure out like okay what do i need to do to be healthy all right let me test you know not eating anything wheat based or anything with gluten in it for a week and see how i feel you have to sort of perform all of these experiments and you know that's one that i usually recommend to people like all right if you're not going to do anything else i would say um you know after, say, breakfast in the morning, if you do breakfast, if, you know, you do intermittent fasting like me, then just, you know, at some point in the morning, take a 15-minute walk. After your lunch break, when you might just sit there for the other half hour and chat with your coworkers, do the same thing and just walk outside for a half hour. And then take a 15-minute walk after dinner at night. Just do that and don't change anything else. That'll get you your hour of walking in a day. That's going to be about, as the statistics show, 3.1 miles. And just Pay attention to how you feel. See how your back feels. See how your joints feel. Not just that, but see how you feel mentally. Like if you come home at the end of a day and you're just stressed out beyond belief and then you eat and take that 15-minute walk, does your stress level feel the same? Because walking is like an incredibly therapeutic thing. It just sort of gives you like emotional distance from whatever was bothering you. Um, I don't recall – Actually, I believe it was Paul Dudley White. Are you guys familiar with Paul Dudley White? I'm not. So he was a uh, leading cardiologist back in his day in the um, early, you know, 1900 to 1920s. Um, one of the founding members of the American Heart Association mm -hmm. and was a big, big, big proponent of preventative medicine. And I believe he was the one who said this quote. He said, um, a vigorous five-mile walk will do more good for an unhappy but otherwise healthy individual than all the expensive therapy in the world. Mm, what a great quote. That what a great, great quote. It's an excellent great. one, yeah. And I, I'm, it could be somebody else, but it's, <laughs> it's really amazing how powerful walking is in terms of de-stressing. It's, it's amazing. And um, it's interesting to see all the studies comparing antidepressive medication with uh, walking and see that oftentimes people in the control group who just walked and didn't take medication took the placebo actually are doing better than the group that took the medicine. Yeah. And it's very, um, it's like that whole idea of nature deficit disorder. Um, and it's just becoming so important for all of us to become aware that it's not just diet and exercise, but we need to really be more connected to our bodies and move more often. So I'm very excited that you were with us today to keep raising the awareness and very grateful that people tuned in to listen. Yeah, this was great. A wonderful time chatting with you. And I really loved your, uh, your quick tip to, to get that hour of walking in. Cause if you just, just break it up like that, you know, 15 minutes in the morning, 
30 minutes at lunch, 15 minutes after dinner, you got that hour taken care of and you've made a big change in your life. Absolutely. Yeah. It's um, one of the biggest things, you know, as I mentioned, I came across this when I was taking a walk after lunch. And then as I started implementing that as a constant throughout my day, I was like, oh my God, everything just feels so much better. Great. So exciting. Thank hey. you so much for coming on. We could talk for hours. Maybe we should do an episode two. Yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. We'll definitely have to do a follow up. Brandon, how can people find you and more about you and your uh, skills, abilities, and services? Uh, so our website is mobility. It's basically the word mobility, but with a V instead of the B, a mm. combination of mo vi- ah, mobility and movement. Um, so mobility.co. Actually, if they go to our website, go to mobility.co slash academy. We're going to be setting up that video series on how to learn about all these different things. And, you know, we're also putting out um, right away. It's not up yet, but it should be up by the time this podcast goes live. A series of videos about different, um, rev- you know, stretches to reverse some of the damage. So deal with the upper back and neck pain and the lower back pain and things like that. So we're going to have that video up shortly so they can, you know, go on there and check that out. Um, and get updates when the free video course is live. Um, and yeah, all of our physical products are on there. Um, I believe our Facebook is facebook.com slash mobility co, uh, twitter.com slash mobility, and instagram.com slash mobility. Awesome. Very cool. I'm going to hop on and follow you on Instagram right now. <laughs> oh, Brandon, thanks again for, having, for, uh, for coming on the show. It's been great. Thanks for having me, guys. Take it easy. If you like today's show and want more episodes like it, you can help us by rating and reviewing the show wherever you subscribe. That means iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, Podbean, or in the podcast app on your phone. If you know somebody who can benefit from today's episode? Share it right now from the show notes, which you can always find at eatmovelive52.com slash notes. And that funk that's playing behind me? It's called Proto Funk by Kevin McLeod. Thanks and talk to you soon. Thank you.